They're in their 30s. Your middle schooler is over 40. Your high schooler has a high schooler. Your adult child now has an adult child who has a child of their own. Can you imagine that world of what it will be like one day all the way with a look into the future when it's 2050? And when your child is in that stage, 30 years from now, a little bit less than 30 years, who are they? Who are they? I don't mean like, what do they do? I'm not talking about like what their career is, what their job is, or how much success they've, they've had, or how much money they make. I mean, who are they? Do they have integrity? Do they have character? Do they love and follow Jesus? I mean, come on, parents. Isn't that what you care about most deeply? Not what they do. So often we think about like, what are my kids gonna become? Are they gonna be, have this profession or that profession? Not, but come on, the deepest things that we care about is who they are. Are they kind? Are they compassionate? Are they a good neighbor? Are they a good friend? Are they a good parent? Are they a good husband or a good wife? Are they a faithful follower of Jesus? Wouldn't we all agree? Listen, you came to church today or you're watching church online, so you care about this. You care about faith being in your life. Maybe you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, and you came because you, you want God to be a part of your life and a part of your family or your future family. So wouldn't you say if, like, your kid became that 30 years from now, that that would be a win? that that would be a win. And you would say, you know, it doesn't really matter all that much what they do or how successful they are, but if, man, if they've got integrity and they've got character and they are kind and they are compassionate and they treat people the right way and they do business the right way and they are a great spouse and they are a great friend and they're, like, we won. Like, that's it. That's, that's what we want. And uh, so... What if we could harness the thing that has the most potential impact on them becoming not that what, but them becoming that who? What if, what if we could focus on that and, and harness the, uh, the impact of that? So I, I want to give you a little bit of a glimpse into 2050, okay? I, I want to give you a picture uh, of, of who I think your kid will most likely be in 2050 and give you some insight on what to work on today. Okay, so I want to give you a picture. Actually, it's, it's not there. It's right here. Have you ever considered that the person that your children will most likely become is you. Have you thought about that the person that, that they will most likely be like is some version of you? 
Hey, uh, if you're new here today, I'm so grateful that you joined us. My name is Carter McInnes, and I'm lead pastor here at Mountaintop. And we're on part three of a series called Parenting to Win, where we're trying to help parents uh, think about winning. So thanks for tuning in if you're watching and if you're here. Uh, we're grateful you're here, whether it's your first time or you're one of our regulars. I want to look at Proverbs 17:6 today and what this says about parenting and how we can win as a parent. So if you got your Bibles and, and you got them open, or maybe you got your app uh, there, or maybe you're at home with your Bible in your lap, if you're here in person and you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we would love to give you a copy. So pick one up at the bookshelves right as uh, you exit the doors. This is what Proverbs 17, 6 says, and I've been looking at just these little one-liners because Proverbs is just these one-line, they're not just sayings, they're not just wise sayings, one-line power punches of the Word of God that if we could lean into their wisdom, we would do well as parents. Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Would you just read it? It's so short. Would you read it with me? Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Now, I want to unpack this little verse a good deal, but I actually believe there's a message uh, in this proverb for everyone in the room and everyone watching, no matter if you're a parent or not. But first, I mean, this has just got something here. Can we just give a shout out to the grandparents, right? Come on, just give a shout out to the grandparents. Children's children are a crown to the age. I don't have grandparents, but uh, I mean, I have grandparents. I don't have grandchildren. Uh, one day, uh, I can't wait. I hear they're great. Is this right, grandparents? Grandparents, one day I'm going to have them. I'm going to sugar them up and send them back. That's what grandparents do, right? Right? I'm going to hug them up when they're happy and hand them back when they're hollering. That's what grandparents do. Right? I just want the good stuff. That's your reward for having to live through the good and the bad. As a parent, as a grandparent, you can just kind of enjoy the good. So grateful for grandparents. Uh, and I, I love that. Children's children are a crown to the age. They're, they're, the, they're a crown. They're the cherry on top, really, is what the writer proverbs. What I want to do is unpack this kind of last half of this verse. That this parents are the pride of their children. Uh, it's one of the most underestimated uh, and underrated aspects of parenting, but probably the most important. We tend to focus on parent-to-child interactions when we think about parenting. Do you, under, do you know what I'm talking about? Like we tend to focus on um, how we train children, how we correct children, how we teach children, how we, um, how we discipline children. And in fact, a good portion of this series has been about that. This is what we tend to focus on. We tend to think about strategy. We tend to think about parenting strategies. And the cool thing is, as we've discovered the last two weeks, and if you're new here, would love for you to go watch the last two weeks, because the Bible, the, the writer of Proverbs gives some fantastic, really just crystal clear parenting strategies about how, how we should train up our children and the way we, they should go. And what I call it, we should start them off right. That from the day they're born, we start children off on a, on a strategy for how we're going to integrate faith in Jesus in their lives. 
And last week we talked about discipline, how we are called to correct our children so that they will be on the straight and narrow when we one day won't be around to correct them anymore. So this is how we tend to think about this. And we've looked at the Bible. And I listen, I'm a strategy guy. If you're, if you're in leadership in our church, you're on our staff team, our staff team knows, like, I love church strategy. I believe in parenting strategy. I love the word strategy. But I believe what the great, the late great Peter Drucker business guru said a long time ago, and that is culture eats strategy for breakfast. And you can have the very best strategy in parenting. Like you can do all the right things, but a bad culture in the integrity, the character, and the personality of the parent will overcome the very best strategies. So that's what we kind of want to talk about today. And let, and let me say this if to young people in the room and those that are watching. Maybe you're sitting there with your mom and dad, and maybe you're a teenager, and you're like, this series is totally not for me. It's nowhere on my radar. Or maybe you're a college student, and you're like, you know, listen, I'm trying to graduate first, then get married, and then, or maybe you're young and single, or you're young and married, and you're thinking, you know, we're going to have fun now. We're, we're going to have kids later. This isn't for me. You are deciding right now the kind of parent you are going to be because you are deciding right now the kind of person that you're going to be. And I promise you there's a whole lot of parents watching and a whole lot of parents in the room that says, um, you need to pay attention because I wish when I was 20 I did little things differently to get ready to be a parent. You are making, <clears throat> listen, teenagers, college students, young singles, you are making decisions about your character and integrity right now that will impact your unborn children. Right now, you are deciding, you are deciding the kind of person the parent of your future child is going to be. Have you met the person that's gonna be the parent of your future child? Look in the mirror. And you are deciding what kind of person that they're going to be. <clears throat> and the good news this is that as you grow older, strategies will change, right? The strategies that my generation had are different than the strategies that my parents, because even though we want to lean into scriptural, there's different things, things we learn about parenting and the world changes. So my parents never had to figure out what to do with children's electronics, Right? I did. My future, my children are going to have to figure out what to do with my grandchildren's holograms. Like, right? How do we, how do we control the kids' holograms? Like, so you're going to have all this, but this isn't going to change. The character, the integrity, the kind of person, this is the most important part of being a parent. So let's unpack this really small second half of this verse. Remember what it said. Parents are the pride of their children. Not parenting strategies, not the routines, but the actual parents, the most important part that is the pride of their children is the actual parents. The most important thing for our kids, the writer of Proverbs is saying, is to parents, moms and dads, of all ages, of all ages, even if your parent, kids are out of the house, is who you are becoming. 
more than anything else, you are a model for what an adult looks like or what a senior adult looks like. You're a model. Dads, your sons will treat their wives the way you treat your wife. Your daughters will look for a man to treat them the way that you treat your wife. Do you talk back to your wife? Say little snippy things to her? What are you going to do when some little 24-year-old boy snaps back at your wife? Did she learn to take it? Because that's what daddy did to mama. Moms, your sons will look for a woman to treat him the way you treat your husband. Your girls will shape their identity as wives the way they see you and your identity. What will they learn? Some of you are single parents. Man, I just want to tell you something. You are my heroes if you're a single parent. You are rock stars. Yeah, give it up for the single parents. You... You are rock stars, and I have no idea how you do it. Can I tell you something? What an incredible opportunity you have in this area of parenting is that you get to model dating for your children. Whoa. You get to model. My, my children, they, they, they're not going to get to see that from me, but you, you, some of you that are single, you, your, your children are going to get to model dating. They're going to see the kind of people that you date the character of the people that you date. So if you date people with low character and then your daughter or son brings home someone with low character and you're like, why are you dating that, you know, that no good for nothing guy or gal? Well, 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 mama, daddy, look who you date. They're gonna get to see how fast they should go in dating, how quickly the relationship becomes physical how much they give their heart away and how they give their heart away. Single parents, you have an incredible opportunity to be an opportunity for your kids. They model. We get to model what discipleship looks like. That's one of the reasons we want you to be in a group because we don't think discipleship is, is a solitary ordeal, is a solo endeavor. You're meant to do life with people. You're meant to grow together. We need accountability. We need challenge. We need to learn from each other. We need to share life together. So that's why I would love for you to get in a group. I promise you we don't sit around and think of more things for you to do. We absolutely sit around and think of ways to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And I believe groups are part of it. Jesus was in a small group. He came to reach the world, but he hung out with 12 people. And so I think if Jesus was in a group, I think we need a group. I think if the disciples were in a group, we need a group. I I want you to be a group. We get to be models for our children. So uh, it's easy for us to get called up in the activities of parenting, right? We're in such a hurry to get to the next practice, the next rehearsal, the next doctor's appointment, the next dentist appointment, the next uh, orthodontist appointment, the next, uh, the next haircut, the next everything, the next class, the next carpool line. Come on, come on, you, the next thing, right? And it's this busyness, but here's, here, we, and we sometimes forget to work on the one thing that will have the most impact, and that is not the next practice, it is the one looking back in the mirror. So let me ask this question. If your child grows up to be just like you, mom and dad, 
if your child grows up to be just like you, what will their prayer life be like? I mean, will they be men and women of deep prayer if they grow up to be just like mom, or will it be kind of hit or miss? What will, what will money be like in their life? Will they have some money, or will money have them? Will they spend their lives in pursuit of more and do anything to get it, or will they be generous? Will they be greedy, or will they be looking to give? What kind of friend will they be? Will they be the kind of friend that'll do anything for anybody? Will they be the kind of friend that'll bring you a casserole if they're just like you? What will their marriage be like? Will it be sweet and kind? Or will they fight a lot? Because mom and dad fight a lot. Well, this is a good one here. What kind of adult child will they be? If your child treats you when they're an adult the way you treat your children, as an, your parents as an adult, how will your children treat you? Some of you are going to go home and call your mama this afternoon, right? Because you're like, man, I hope my kids call me more than I call my parents. If your child grows up to be just like you, what will their relationship be like with the Bible? Will it collect dust on their nightstand or on the coffee table, or will it be something that is active, open? Will they, do they see you reading it? So then will they read it? Will it be a part of your family, so it will be a part of their family? Do they observe you obeying it, so they'll know that obeying it is a part of their life? If a child grows up to be just like you, what will their relationship with Jesus be like? Is Jesus just a catchphrase? Is Jesus just something for Sundays? Is Jesus just something for major holidays? Or is following Jesus integrated in every area of your life? If your child grows up to be just like you, what kind of person will they be? What kind of follower of Jesus will they be? Uh, working on you is some of the most important work you can do as a parent, and the focus of Proverbs here is just on that, not the strategies and rules, not the stuff that we pull our hair with and all the things we try to figure out how to do with discipline and teaching. And the next, and, and let me just tell you why Proverbs digs into this, why it's so important. This word here, for some, for some of your uh, translations, it says, and parents are the pride of their children. In some translations, it says parents are the glory of their children. But the word here that the, in the original Hebrew says for pride is this word that it, it's something, this is kind of amazing. It, it means tapara. It's tapara is the uh, Hebrew word, and it means an embellishment or a decoration in decor or on clothing. Uh, think of it like this. It means something that basically like an ornament or a piece of jewelry. And what this is saying is that parents are the, they are the tipora. They are the ornament. They are a piece of jewelry for, for their children. Your children are going to wear you the rest of their lives. You are going to be like a chain around their neck. You are going to be an ornament on their neck. They are going to carry around your legacy for the rest 
of their lives. And so the question that every parent should ask is this. If that's true, if what the writer of Proverbs says is true, if parents are the pride, the ornament that your children will wear, will your legacy help or hinder them? Will your legacy weigh them down or lift them up? Will your legacy drag them and make them slower through life? Will it be harder because of the legacy? Or will it be a legacy that lifts them up? Is it something that they will be proud of to carry? I know what you're thinking here. You're like, so does the writer of Proverbs saying is that like all children are going to be proud of the legacy of their parents? No, that's not what it's it's really saying at all. And that's not the witness of of Scripture. they mentioned a little bit earlier, Ben and Linda did, that I'll be teaching a series starting in two weeks called Learning to Lead on the Life of, of King David. And we're going to look at three events kind of prior, major events prior to David becoming king and three events uh, after he becomes king. And we can learn a lot from David. Sometimes we learn what to do from David and sometimes what not to do from David. But the interesting thing is that if you follow the end of David's story after his life and you look through the book of Kings and it's just a story of king after king after king of Israel and almost every chapter of 1st and 2nd Kings starts off and it says such and such became king when he was so and so years old and it goes one or two ways. Oftentimes this is what it says and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord because he followed in the ways of his father who was wicked. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord because he followed the ways. He couldn't get out of the shadow of his father's wickedness. And every once in a while, you'll see one that says he did right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed in the ways of his father, David, who wasn't his actual father. It was his great, 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 great grandfather. But there was at least a legacy of faithfulness that stretched a shadow long enough through the generations that every once in a while, one of the great, 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 great grandchildren got it. But our parents' legacy, you read First King and realize it's not always something that we're proud of. It's not always something. There are few things more harmful to a child, more harmful to a child than a parent that they're not proud of because of the way they act, because they drink too much, because of how they treat their mom or how they treat their dad or the things they post on social media or how they're wasting their life. And sometimes it's just a parent that's just kind of gone through the motions. And so here's what I think what the writer of Proverbs is telling us and here's what we could just lean into. And if you are 16, 17, or 25 and you don't have kids yet, here's what, this is for you too and this is for every parent in the room no matter what age you are, every grandparent in the room. And this is this, the person you are, not the parent you are, will have the most impact on the person you're parenting. The person you are, not the parent you are, will have the most impact on the person you're parenting. How many of you that had good moms and dads are like, oh yeah, my parents had the best strategies about bedtime routines. Oh yeah, they had a really great meal plan during the week so that we ate leftovers on Thursdays and Fridays and cooked they were really great at parenting hacks. Boy, they covered up. Oh, the way they did laundry, they had such a strategy for how they did laundry for all of us. 
Now, what do you say? Hey, he was a great man. She was a great woman. The person you are. Not the, so you're going to drive yourself crazy. You go to bed every night and be like, I don't think I'm a very good parent. I'm not sure I'm doing this right. I don't know what to say to teenagers. No one does. I, right? I'm not a very good parent. You're never going to feel it. Here's what the, that's, it's not going to have as much impact as the person you are. The person you are, not the parent you are, will have the most impact on the person you are parenting. Do your kids need biblical strategies for parenting? 100%. 100% we should do what we've looked at the last two weeks. We should train them up. We should make faith of routines a part of our lives. We should have a strategy for how we're going to discipline them and correct them. But what they will carry with them is not strategies. They will carry with them your legacy. I mean, if you want to look at your kids' future, just have a look in that mirror. They're going to carry this with them. It's going to hang around their neck for the rest of their life. And it, here's, here's the thing that encourages me about this. It's scary. Is it scary, moms and dads? Here's what encourages me about this. I feel like, and I'm feeling it because I have a 17-year-old junior and a 15-year-old sophomore. I feel like I have so little control over their future. Right, that I got like a couple more years with those older guys and they're out on their own and they have to make their own decisions and they have to do their own thing. I feel like I have so little control over their future. Here's what encourages me about this passage. When I look in the mirror, I have so much control over that guy. I have so much control over the guy staring back at me in the mirror. And you have so much control over this guy and this gal. And here's what I want to tell you. That guy and that gal, they are going to have the most impact on your child's future. So focus on that guy, on that gal. Now, there's another angle that's really hard about this passage. And um, it's not looking at this passage as a parent, which some of us are and some of us aren't in the room. It's looking at this as a child, which we all are. All of us are somebody's child. And some of you hear this and then you hear that idea of wearing the legacy of your parents around your neck and I know what you're thinking. Some of you aren't carrying around the best legacies. Some of you didn't have the best examples. You're feeling like you carry around the weight of the world on your neck. Some of you don't like the reflection that your parents left in the mirror. And some of you have really good reasons for it. And I want to tell you something. I'm so sorry. The truth is, we all have some daddy issues. And we all have some mama issues. Because even the best parents leave a reflection that is flawed and imperfect 
I had wonderful parents growing up. They'll, they'll be here at the 11 o'clock service today. Last weekend, they celebrated their 56th wedding anniversary. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. They're, they're awesome parents. Grew up going to church, took me to church. Daddy taught Sunday school. I mean, they sang in the choir. They did the whole deal. They weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. Emily and I are trying the best we can. I'll tell you something, we're so far from perfect. We fall short so many times and in such big ways. And while we've been talking about being the right kind of parent, the reality is that every person carries some baggage that is shaping us, a family legacy that is sometimes jacked up and all the times not up to the standard that our hearts long for. That's because our hearts were created with a yearning for a perfect heavenly father. And when we come to a faith in Christ, our identity changes and we become a child of God. The reflection that becomes most prominent in our lives is not the earthly parents, but our heavenly parent, our heavenly father. The apostle Paul said it this way. You received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. What Paul is saying is like, yes, you have an earthly father and an earthly mother but they are going to leave with you the same thing that every earthly parent leaves with their children, some baggage, some baggage, because it's, it's not quite perfect, but you have an opportunity to be adopted into God's family. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. This Abba is what little Jewish boys and girls call their daddy. It's their word for daddy. And by this spirit, this spirit that has given you adoption, you can call God daddy and this same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are now God's children and but if we are his children we are also heirs we are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ you are invited to be a part of God's family no matter what legacy your family left you with no matter what generational curse you feel like you're living under no matter if you felt abandoned or unloved or if you just couldn't measure up to the expectations of parents whose expectations were just so high and even if you felt blessed with great parents but know there is something else you need our perfect father sent his perfect son to die for imperfect you and me so that his perfect spirit could live in us and perfect us from the inside out from the inside out and when you proclaim Jesus's death and resurrection over our lives and you come to faith in Christ here's what I want to tell you when God looks at your reflection he does not see the broken mess and the generational mess and he doesn't see the baggage he sees his son he sees his daughter and we have an inheritance, his presence in our life, his presence in our life, his righteousness in our future, and his eternity in our soul. And you have a new daddy. Now, <laughs> anyone is invited so if you read this verse today and you, you think, oh, I'm not a parent, but man, Carter, if you only knew what I was carrying around, if you only knew the weight, the legacy that I try not to notice when I look in the mirror because I see the mess of 
my broken past, my broken family. I want to tell you something. I want to introduce you to your new daddy who can restore you, redeem you, and make you whole and cause you child. And for those of you that are parents, here's what I want to tell you. There is no bigger and better and more important decision you can make than deciding to be a child of God. What your kids don't need is a perfect parent. They've got one, their Abba, their father. And you'll never be perfect. What they need is a parent who has surrendered their life to Christ committed to the idea of letting this spirit live in me and perfect me for the rest of my life for the inside out. And here's what I want to tell you. You can read all the books. Expectant mothers, you, you can read all the what to expect while you're expecting books. They're good books. My wife read all of them. Right? You can read all the books about raising adolescents. You can read all the books about all this. But here's what I want to tell you. The most important thing for your children, the most important thing for your children, the person you are, not the parent you are, will have the most impact on the person you're parenting. And will you say, I'm going to get this parenting wrong sometime, but I'm going to be a person who has had my identity restored by my heavenly father. And you can do this no matter what age you are and no matter what age your kids are. Some of you during this series have thought, Carter, I wish I'd heard this 20 years ago. Carter, I wish I'd read that 30 years ago. I did so much so wrong. You know what your legacy can be for your, parent, for your children? You can be the grandparent that turned his or her life around in their 60s and 70s and gave it to Jesus. And that can be the kind of people, Pete, what a testimony your adult children will say. Well, my mom and daddy didn't get it all right when I was raised. But man, when they became a grandma, when they became a grandma, dad, they gave their life to Jesus and they changed. You say people can't change in their 70s. My mama did, my daddy did. That can be your story. So I want to invite you to work on you because the person you are, not the parent you are, will have the most impact on the person you're parenting. You see, I don't want you to be the greatest person that your children never really knew because you weren't that great of a person. I want you to be the person that they are so proud 